Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. The other day, I was with a group of parents and grandparents talking about the mistakes we made raising our children. Each of us shared our experiences and loved our guilt out. That means we were laughing at one another's story, but at the same time feeling guilty for those mistakes. After hearing everyone's stories, I felt relieved that I was not the only parent who made mistakes. To err is human. However, some mistakes are not laughing matters because they cause permanent damage. We could brush off the small mistakes, but some big ones leave permanent scars and make us feel guilty for life, consciously or unconsciously. Even the small ones could accumulate and weigh our hearts down. The older we grow, the bigger burden of guilt we carry. Even though we believe in a forgiving God, we can't seem to forgive ourselves for some regrettable issues in life. Have you wondered why it is? Even though we confess our sins to God frequently, some guilt still haunts us. You might say it's because God has forgiven us, but we haven't forgiven ourselves. If so, what does it take to forgive ourselves? We cannot just tell ourselves, I forgive myself, I forgive myself. It doesn't work that way. We cannot maintain peace within unless we resolve this guilt issue. The worst way to deal with guilt is denial, sweeping it under the rug and ignoring the role it plays in our daily life. Guilt doesn't just disappear if we pretend it does not exist. Guilt is an obstacle to peace. Internally, guilt makes us depressed and stirs up anxiety. Externally, it ruins relationships because guilty people tend to be angry. You feel like walking on eggshells around them. Guilt makes us defensive because we feel making more mistakes that might worsen our weight of guilt. We think our anger comes from the desire for justice, but the underlying guilt also triggers anger. So one of the ways to deal with an unreasonably angry person is to realize that it's not you that they are attacking, but the baggage of guilt they carry. Otherwise, you might retaliate and make things worse. Then you feel guilty and become an angry person, like a domino effect. Remember, hurt people hurt people. This concept turns on our empathy. If someone tries to hurt you, you realize that that person could be hurting inside. Conversely, each time we get angry or snap at others, it reveals that we have something hurting inside us. All over the world, most people walk with an emotional hunchback, weighed down by the burden of guilt. Guilt triggers discords and even wars. Throughout history, people invented many ways to atone for their sins. 
There's an ethnic tribe in Western Burma nicknamed headhunters in the past because they hunted for human heads seasonally to offer to their gods as sacrifice. There was a primitive wave of atonement, yet we are still doing it today in different forms. Nowadays, people still go to temples to burn incense and offer arms for atonement. Some cultures sacrifice a lamb, a goat, or a calf for atonement. Some rich people give away their money for charity to atone for their guilt. A rich man in Thailand has a garden of statues, including Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, and all kinds of gods you can imagine. He waters and washes them every morning and prays to them, hoping that at least one of them will save him. Humans do the weirdest things to cleanse their conscience. Guilt is a universal problem in this fallen world, but none of the solutions above work because they are more like bandages than cures. It's like Lady Macbeth washing her hands. The spot never goes away. The good news is God knows our plights and has provided a solution through Jesus Christ to atone for our sins. John the Baptist says, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 The Lamb of God is the only true atonement. So today let's examine how the Lamb of God takes away our sins and why some Christians still feel guilty and cannot have peace. This is the third message in the series of Cultivating Peace Within. There are five pillars of peace forming the mnemonic acrostic peace, P-E-A-C-E. Previously, we talked about P for presence, meaning God's presence. E for emptiness, empty my ego. A for atonement today, atone with forgiveness. As I said above, guilt is a big obstacle in cultivating peace. It's at the center of it and not so easy to get rid of because it keeps accumulating as we grow older. But Jesus has revealed the secret. So let's look at how the Lamb of God teaches us to rid our guilt and cultivate peace within. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today is from the gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. Listen to the word of the Lord. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remains on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And myself has seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. John 1, 29-34 Blessed are those who delight in God's word. Thanks be to God. 
We must pay attention to two key words to get the message from this passage, the Lamb of God and the Holy Spirit. The former is atonement, the latter is empowerment. We cannot emphasize one and omit another. Understanding this concept is vital for cultivating peace within. As Christians, we all understand the first part, that the Lamb of God is a metaphor for God's grace. As Reformed Protestants, our bumper sticker is saved by grace. As Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 It says grace is a gift of God. That means it's free. It's liberating to know, but if we stop here, we turn God's grace into cheap grace. One of the major problems of many churches today is the teaching of cheap grace. It's theologically incorrect, intellectually unstimulating, and spiritually unenlightening. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, grace is free, but not cheap. That's a quantum paradox of Christianity. How could something be free and not cheap? It's not cheap because it comes with a mission to forgive. When the Lamb of God was lifted up on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, Luke 23, 34. There are two layers of this prayer. On the surface, it reveals Jesus' grace. However, we must get the second layer of this message. Even though he was innocent, Jesus was carrying the sin of the world at that moment on the cross. We can say he's guilty of sins committed by you and me. Then why did he forgive others if the sin was on him? Don't you think he is the one that needs forgiveness at this particular moment? Because he is carrying our sins. Logically, he should have prayed, Father, forgive me, for I carry the sin of the world. Instead, he prayed to forgive others. That means the whole thing about confession is meaningless unless we forgive others. Jesus reveals to us that forgiveness is the key to being forgiven. That leads to our first truth of atonement. Forgive to be forgiven. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Matthew 5, 7. You might ask, if God's grace is free, why does this verse sound conditional? That's why grace is free but not cheap. Jesus teaches this truth repeatedly through his sayings and parables because it's vital. One of the prominent parables is known as the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, 23 to 35. You know the story. This servant owed the king a large amount of money, equivalent to a billion dollars in today's money, the amount he could never pay back in his lifetime. Someone like Sam Bankman Free. The king was about to put him in prison and sell his wife and children as slaves to recover some loss. He begged his boss for mercy and promised to pay him back, which was unlikely due to the amount. Out of pity, the king forgave him. Don't you think that's an amazing grace? A billion dollars forgiveness. But on his way home, he saw someone who owed him a thousand dollars. He seized him by his throat and asked him to pay what he owed. The man begged him for patience. 
but he threw him in prison until he got his money back. The king heard it and got very angry. Jesus said, Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? Matthew 18, 32-33. Then the king revoked his forgiveness and threw him in prison. Jesus then said, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Verse 35. Notice it says, Forgive from your heart. When you clear the grudge, you clear the guilt. According to this parable, God's forgiveness comes first but it could be revoked if we don't forgive it forward. So it might sound like a conditional grace, but it's a quantum paradox. Jesus reveals to us that forgiveness is a triangle. So the forgiveness we receive is not complete until we forgive others. That explains why some Christians know God has forgiven them, yet they can't forgive themselves, so they don't have inner peace. How do we forgive ourselves? We can tell ourselves, I forgive myself, I forgive myself. That's not how it works. Jesus reveals that we forgive ourselves by forgiving others the way God forgives us. So forgiveness is a triangle or three-legged stool. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus also said that if we come to church for worship without forgiving others, our worship is in vain, Matthew 5, to 23. By this, Jesus is not saying that we should not come to worship without forgiving others, but he's warning us that we cannot sit on the two-legged stool. The miracle is that at the moment you forgive others, your guilt fades away. It's like sitting on a three-legged stool. You feel stable and comfortable. So don't find other ways to atone for your sins. Jesus reveals that without forgiving others, our worship doesn't work, our charity doesn't work, our confession doesn't work, and even our thanksgiving doesn't work. Just think about this. Why would a forgiving God accept your thanksgiving if we don't forgive others? There's another angle to look at forgiveness. If you understand the concept of no one is an island, you will realize that forgiving others is forgiving yourself because you are part of the continent, not an island. In other words, if you understand others are members of the same body, you will not try to cut them off. Only healing them can make you whole. That healing is forgiveness. So exercise forgiveness. Each time I forgive, I feel set free and grow spiritually. So try it out. It's very liberating. You will feel your guilt melt away and peace flourishes. From here, we can learn two more truths that stems from forgiveness. Secondly, forgive to enlighten. Sometimes we want to express our anger to those who offend us because we want to teach them a lesson so that they behave next time. We think we can enlighten them with our rage. Your intention may be right, but anger, grudge, and punishment do not enlighten people. Paul said several times in his letters to the Romans that law and punishment often make sinners worse. There's a saying of John the great Taoist sage, who will come to the wavy water to see their face? 
What it means is that in ancient times, before mirrors were invented, people used a pond, a puddle, or a pot of water to see their faces, so they know whether their face is dirty. If the water is rough, wavy, or stirred, you can't see your face in the water. A heart without grudge or anger is like still water that can reflect the other person's face, like a mirror. A forgiving and merciful heart is also like a mirror, allowing people to see themselves, reveal their dirts, repent, and receive enlightenment. In other words, forgiveness can change people from the inside out. There are people in my life that changed me profoundly through their grace and mercy, much more than those who punished me. The Broadway show Les Mis Rob is a good illustration of how grace transforms people. It's an excellent show to rewatch now and then to get inspired about grace. If anger could change people, God would not have sent Jesus on earth, and the Lamb of God on the cross would be unnecessary. However, no image in human history has enlightened people more than the cross, because it symbolizes forgiveness. Like a mirror, it triggers profound reflections and repentance. So, if your intention is to enlighten people, forgiveness is the brightest beacon of light. Lastly, forgive unlimited times. Living in this fallen world, we are constantly triggered. The new scent around us continuously stir the pond in our hearts, causing annoyance, anxiety, and stormy water inside our hearts. Like Peter, we want to set a limit to forgiveness. The Bible said, "Then Peter came and said to him, 'Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times?'" Jesus said to him, "Not seven times." But I tell you, seventy-seven times. Matthew eighteen twenty-one to twenty-two. The Jewish standard in those days was forgiving three times. That's where the three strikes and you are out law comes from. Peter thought increasing it to seven times might make Jesus happy. But to his disappointment, Jesus asked him to forgive seventy-seven times. Depending on the version of the Bible, you may read seventy times seven. In that case, it's 490 times. It translates both ways because it's a Greek pun. In any case, Jesus means we must forgive unlimited times. But don't be discouraged. God doesn't tell you what to do without giving you the power to do it. That's why Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit to empower you to forgive. Jesus said, "Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them." If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. John twenty twenty two to twenty three. Now forgiveness is not only your mandate but also your mission. Relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, keep practicing forgiveness until nothing can stir the pond in your heart anymore. There we have it. If you want to cultivate peace within, get rid of your guilt through the atonement of forgiveness. Denial doesn't work, but there's no way to atone for our sins except through forgiveness. So forgive to be forgiven, forgive to enlighten, forgive unlimited times. Let's learn to forgive and enjoy the ultimate peace within. That's it for today. 
I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom and happiness. Amen. Bye now. Thank you for listening. If you would like to maximize your life and leadership by unlocking your spiritual advantage, please feel free to direct message me on Twitter at Samuel Stone or visit SamuelStone.com. I'm looking forward to talking with you. See you on the next episode. Bye now.